0: The, the first game really put us on the back foot and the message of the, from the players was that they're going to you know use that pressure and build on it and thrive under it. We did see some cracks appear. Welcome
1: back to Cricket Central, the podcast where we discuss all the stories big and small. I'm Tebwin Jarvis and I've got Navod, Ethan and Pearson here this week to discuss the, the second week of the T20 World Cup. Um, and, well, we've had yet more drama and upsets um, and, uh, unfortunately, more rain. Uh, but overall, it's been a, it's turning into a fantastic World Cup, guys. Uh, have we all been enjoying it, Novot?
2: Yeah, I've been loving the World Cup. I think it's produced when there have been dams, when there's there haven't been rain. Um, it's actually produced some really entertaining dams. Um, so, so far, it's been, it's been quite good. And, and it's sort of, we've had sort of results that not exactly, you know, you weren't exactly expecting them to happen. So. Um it's been quite good. Every team, even the um sort of associate nations that have joined in through the qualifiers have been somewhat uh, you know competitive, except for Sri Lanka. But um no, yeah, pretty good overall. I, I've enjoyed it so
3: far.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I was gonna bring this up later, actually. I may as well say it now. I think sometimes in cricket we we spend a lot of time talking about what's going wrong with cricket and how you know all everything's getting ruined, uh, you know, not playing enough tests. T20 is a terrible sport and this uh, but actually this World Cup almost every match that we have played has been uh, very exciting to watch um, and uh, the, you know there's been sort of different it hasn't just been the same style of match uh, some matches have sort of been bowler dominated there's been seesawing within the match as well uh, I, I think it's been an absolutely fantastic tournament and yeah hopefully it continues from now on uh, I'll go to you first I think because I think you'll agree
0: yeah, I mean, I think one of the issues with some of the previous World Cups is it's just the results have gone as expected. I mean, last World Cup was dominated by this this um, idea that you know the toss decided the game, and that sort of ruined a few of the games. I think every every toss Australia won, we won the game, and every time we lost, which is only once, we lost the game. Um, but that hasn't been the case. I think you don't you don't typically associate you know, Australian grounds with the the best games for for cricket. But this World Cup's been actually quite quite pleasing. Um, And I guess the quality of the pitches has made up for some of the attendance of the fixtures. But I guess this is what happens when you play T20 cricket on proper-sized pitches, um, which many countries are unable to produce.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's the the key point. The size of the grounds just does add to it. And the extra bounce as well. Pearson, do we need to stop singing doom and gloom at least for a couple weeks
3: no i think doom and gloom is always useful (laughs) atmospheres have been poor attendance has been poor there's been too much rain there's been issues i agree i think it's actually purely on a cricketing level in terms of watching the cricket they've actually been very good games i will give credit to that i think whoever prepares the pitches deserves great credit i think the icc does it in this case probably why it's more exciting than a normal bilateral t20 series in australia but yes no it's been it's been a good watch i do think there's ways they can improve i.e not hosting it in october when there's been six internationals in history before that point in october and yes i admit they've gotten unlucky with la nina but i guess there's not much you can do there. Probably should have scheduled it more into the summer. But no, the cricket the cricket's been better than I thought. I came in with a negative mindset. I still don't think this World Cup should have happened. However, it's been good so far.
1: Yeah. Well, I to be fair, I wasn't expecting anything um better than that from you. So uh yeah we've got we, you've said at least that some of the cricket's been good. So uh we'll we'll take that. And you know maybe if England win, you'll be saying it's the greatest World Cup ever. So anyway. Uh, but we've also had some some big stories to come out of it so far. As I said, some some big upsets, uh but probably the the biggest I, I don't know if you would call it a surprise um but Definitely the big takeaway from the first week was just how dominant South Africa are looking. Uh, their, their first match started off you know, quite inauspicious, inauspiciously with a, with a washout against Zimbabwe. But even there, uh, we had Quentin de Kock scoring 47 of 18, um, some of the best batting you would see. And they were pretty unlucky to uh, not be given a win there, um, only getting, I think, about 3.5 overs in out of the the five that were necessary to constitute a match, but they're actually ahead of the pass score if there had have been five overs. So we can maybe talk about that. That was a little bit unlucky. But anyway, it's not going to hurt them at all because they scored 205 against Bangladesh in their second game. Riley Rousseau scored uh, a second century in about two months. Uh, Norkie, with four wickets as well, looked fantastic in that match. And then last night against India, um, to top it off, uh, well, they had the, the big story was a great selection move to to bring in Ngidi for Shamsi, um, who got Rohit and Rahul out in the in his first over, um, and then Kohli a bit later, setting them up for uh, a big victory. Um, and uh, well, Pearson uh, before the World Cup, I I predicted them to make the semis, um, but but now I, I'm going the whole way and backing them to win it all. Um, I think. Uh, they've they've got all, all the pieces really and i think we almost sort of knew that going in that they have a great um you know they've got lots of different pieces in their batting lineup one of the most aggressive batting lineups when it comes off i think the only reason we didn't back them was that they were a little bit untested uh but now they have been tested and so far
3: um, they're looking like the
1: best team wouldn't you agree
3: well, I, I I would like to quote myself from the preview podcast in which I said, on paper, South Africa's the best team. I admit the reason I didn't think they'd win is because they're South Africa. They don't win tournaments. I hold myself to that. I still don't think they'll win this tournament despite being the best side. I thought they were excellent last World Cup and they somehow didn't make the semis despite winning four or five games. So it's not unknown to them to perform well and then somehow not win but i do think this is as dangerous as i've seen them i think they're the only side that look at full strength australia look below par england look a long way below par new zealand are overachieving, but aren't that good to begin with which probably balances it out india's india i mean the thing with india is if muhammad nawaz hadn't bowled such a poor final over in that pakistan game they'd have been knocked out now so there are very fine margins here but yeah i i would agree i think south africa will definitely top their group they look excellent they've got the best batsmen and the best boulders which does help if you're yeah, looking to exactly, make a good yeah. team um <laughs> yeah. so yeah i they'll definitely make the semis i think it's way too hard to call after that point point. and yeah i think that's about it sorry there was a very good bit of fielding then caught on the boundary (laughs) and thrown back but no I I I multitasking
1: multitasking here from Pearson I have a
3: suspicion he might be injured as a result it's for listeners sake it's we're midway through the Australia Island game uh no it was yeah I think South Africa will go far they might not win because it's just too hard to call but they definitely look the side to beat at the moment.
1: Yeah, well, Ethan, let's go into that match last night um, a bit more. As I said, the star, Lungi Ngidi, 4 for for 29. um, And really, um, probably that 133 was obviously a below-par score for India. Um, You know, it wasn't all easy going for South Africa in their batting innings. Um, In fact, um, you know, Temba Bavuma only made 10, Quentin de Kock and Riley Rousseau uh, made one and uh, a duck respectively so they were looking uh in a bit of trouble there but I think it just shows their depth that um Markram with and Miller with 250s um got that job done uh, so how did you see last night's match
0: yeah it was it was a great start with the ball who would have thought Lungi and Geady came through with lovely four wicket spell I think the, the commentators were saying before that spell that he gets a wicket every 12 balls or so in T20s and he Managed four wickets from his twenty-four, so he's he's overachieved that game. And it was a good, good uh, three wickets from Parnell at the end. And I think at the innings break, you, you sort of tend to go well on top, um, and that their their bowlers, you know, they've got a great bowling attack, um, and the pace is well suited. I think playing at Perth, especially, was a massive advantage for them. Um, and it'll be interesting to see because um, the the semis and, and the final, none of them are at Perth, so it depends, I guess, on well, they get that pacey ground which is well suited to them but good selection as you mentioned um to bring in and get in place of Shamsi. and then at the be- beginning of their innings then i guess that the scale started to shift ashdeep singh has brought his new ball prowess to the table and picked up a couple of early wickets and all of a sudden there were three for 24 and the winvis had india on top but yeah, I think as we talked about that, this South African batting lineup has got plenty of informed batsmen and plenty of depth as well. And, you know, you, you had a, a bit of confidence in Markram and Miller at four and five. I think they're two of the best in the world at those positions, respectively. And they managed to, you know, just quite sensibly tick it over and eventually get South Africa over the line. You saw Bavuma's shot when he was on 10 with a big ramp. And I guess, yeah, credit to those two for not, you know, succumbing to the pressure. And just for playing pretty solid cricket.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. As I say, it's, really, it's hard to say too much about them because they're just, they're just too good at the moment. It's a bit like New Zealand in that first match against Australia. They're just a, a level above. Navid, where are you seeing them their ending up this World Cup?
2: I think I'm going to agree with Pearson's, me in saying that, but I think uh, I'm going to put them in the semi as well. I think um, South Africa kind of have this bad luck charm in World Cups, where they... You know, they make do. it very yeah. fun and you know, just capitulate in a in a final or something like that. It, it's just a run. Like I do hope they actually you know go through it and you know win in a final. It'll be a great uh, win for them. But um, yeah, I think I'll say something. I think it's a little, as Pearson said, a little bit hard to predict after that. Um, but yeah, I agree with all the points. You know, they've got a very aggressive batting lineup. You've got um the reliance in you know Markram and, and more so David Miller. I'd say um is a little bit of a concern for me. I think. needs to be dropped for someone else but at this stage i'm not really sure who that is um but yeah otherwise you know bowling you hear who bowled fantastically i thought um yeah really really great um and yeah just in general i think they're a really well rounded team i think they've got a lot of good talent and a lot of great skill in that team uh, and you know i wish them all the best i hope they go um you know really far and we'll see how they go but i I think they'll they should at least get into that sentence uh if rain doesn't uh, affect them as
1: Yeah, it's a good point you make about Bavuma there, that is the one sort of uh, person who hasn't been performing really out of their whole squad. Uh, the other side from last match, obviously, was India, um, who are still looking fairly good, you would have to say, um, with that win over Pakistan and the dominant win over the Netherlands. Um, but it, it just sort of
3: all went wrong a little bit uh, last night, uh, Pearson. You yeah, know, to be honest, I actually don't think India were that bad. I thought they played reasonably well. I think they were just outplayed by a slightly better team. They got, I know the great cricketers described it as them being Perth.
2: Mm.
3: It was very much playing a South African side in conditions tailor-made for that South African bowling now. It was some of the most bounce I think I've seen on an Australian pitch since the days the wacker was still in commission, which was good to watch from a spectator's perspective, but also probably played a lot more into the hands of your six foot four bowlers like an Ngidi or a Rabada, as opposed to shorter, more swing-esque bowlers like a Ashdeep or a Kumar. So I think that might be why. And to be honest, they weren't far away. There was an arguably at the 10 over mark in that second innings, India were favourites to win and defend their total. So I don't think they were that poor. I do think they lack something. I don't really know what it is, but I just don't think they're the complete product in the way possibly South Africa are. I think an opener is probably an example. I mean, as I was distracted by Prabhs earlier, he does make a good point regarding Rohit's poor form. That's probably not helping them. Same with Rahul. He's again a bit hit and miss. I think he's had a pretty poor tournament, if my memory's correct. Yeah. Um, same goes for Dinesh Kartik. So, Yes, the middle order's fired. Coley's very good. He can't catch, which is good for me to hear. But he can bat, as can Suyakuma Yadav, who was superb yesterday. But I do think their lack of a top-quality finisher, at least on form, a top-quality opener on form, and that X-Factor bowler in a boomer is hindering them. Will they make the semis? Yes, very comfortably. Are they good enough to win? I don't think so.
1: Yeah, we, we do have to just mention Surya Kumar Yadav because I think he's got two 50s and another pretty good performance in that Pakistan match as well. Um, just how good is he, Ethan? I saw an amazing thing and I've forgotten it partly now, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I think he's the same age as James Pattinson um, and all these players, uh, James Faulkner as well. Um, all these players who have been retired for years, basically, um, and he's sort of just coming into his prime now. So it, uh, it's an incredible um, renaissance that that he's had, Ethan.
0: Yeah, quite, quite unusual to be peaking at 32 or so and just being on the up and really he's soaring those T20 rankings. I think what's special about him is he plays unorthodox shots. So teams aren't really sure where to bowl to him, where to set the field. He's always... Able to manage to manipulate the field really well, manipulate the ball, and he he hits the border areas that you don't typically associate with, you know, certain certain balls going to. And I think that's very hard for teams to deal with at the minute. And he's in great nick as well. I think we saw yesterday he brings an aggressive nature to his game. And even when India, are, you know, four down for for not many, he was able to really counter attack. And the commentator said it as well. He he'll always play his shots. Um, And he's got the whole range of shots to enable him to succeed on a variety of wickets.
1: Yeah, yeah. Impressive to be able to do it on the MCG, SCG and and Optus uh, in these three matches. All right. Well, the final question for India. And I mean, we really probably should have covered it at the start um, because uh, Navad, really, it's a bit of a miracle that India are performing as well as they are at the moment, wouldn't you say? Um, after being subjected to the the real uh indignity of only being given a, a cold sandwich after practice in sydney um i mean just how disgraceful is that
2: yeah yeah you've given me the the hardest question i think of the, of the that you've got given to towards india i think no um that yeah i i guess that's stupid, isn't it i think you know you know, they're just sandwiches. You're not meant to get hot sandwiches anywhere, unless it's like a, a toast view. I don't. I don't really know what they're complaining about. It's it's just a sandwich. It's such a small thing to compare. about. I do think it has probably been overblown by you know like Fox Sports and all the media sort of saying, look what the Indians did. They've complained about and they've threatened to you know leave the competition if they don't get hot food. I, I think that's you know a little bit stupid, but um yeah, it's 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 pretty funny to read honestly that, that's yeah, really out
1: there to add it's just funny no, to yeah. Read. yeah 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 well i think it's their fault for for bringing it up though like uh you know it's one thing <laughs> to think the food's no good but you don't have to uh, actually complain about it but uh yeah there's been a few bizarre stories this world cup we might get to another of them um to do with uh zimbabwe and pakistan <laughs> a little bit later but um yeah, it just adds to um, yeah how how great this this World Cup has been. Okay, well um, from India to another side who's well you know it, this side's performing a lot worse than India at the moment. Um, Australia, uh, obviously, we we spoke a little bit in the last podcast about um, that humiliation um, against New Zealand in the first match. Uh, but then in the second against Sri Lanka um it was only Marcus Stoinis with the second fastest 50 in World Cup history that saved us from uh, another shocking result really um Finch's uh Zach Crawley routine of 31 or, of 42 that was the the big talking point from the match but um even even beyond that I, I sort of sent some some bad signs even in the field um there was sort of a a real tension that I I could Sense there, Wade was getting angry at every throw that was coming in. Uh, there were some misfields. fields, um, and you just sort of thought that they felt the pressure of of needing to to win big to get our net run rate up, Ethan. Um, and it sort of sort of got to us a bit in that match. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, I think the the first game really put us on the back foot, and the message of the, from the players was that they're gonna you know use that pressure and build on it and thrive under it. We did see some cracks appear, and particularly with uh, Finch. I mean, he looked all at sea. Thankfully, Marcus Stoinis has actually shown to develop quite a good piece of form. I mean, he's succeeding today against Ireland as well. He was the saviour, but that sort of has marked a a, a pretty uneasy effort from the Aussies against that Sri Lankan side. Um, And I think net run rate is still going to be a a large issue, but these are winnable games from here on out now that England are are washed out, so there is really isn't a need to panic. Um, but I think having the world cup almost out of our own hands with um rain and and losing that first game, I think that's where a bit of stress is building up.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think that's right. Um, zero boundaries in the power play, um, for us in that match as well. For only the third time that any team has done that in T20 world cup history, so uh, I think the other two were like. Zimbabwe and uh Ireland or something. So uh yeah, th- we're in a in a great list there. <laughs> um also Ethan, another thing I sort of thought was even with the ball um in that match, we ended up getting Sri Lanka out for 157, which you know wasn't the the greatest score. Um, but I was a bit disappointed with our bowling as well. We just sort of seem to, to lack someone we can go to who we sort of know will will take a wicker. I know we didn't have Zampa in that match. He sometimes does play that role. But you know, Hazelwood come and start, they all bowled all right, hit pretty good areas. But um, you know, I if you just look to, to other teams, England's got got Mark Wood. Um, we know that the pace of Pakistan and South Africa. We sort of seem to lack someone who is sort of the X factor. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think our our pace attack is the big show in Test cricket in the right conditions, but it does give a, a hint of mediocrity in T twenty. And I think the fact that we could bring in Nathan Ellis and Kane Richardson, they'd probably do just just as well, if not better, um, is is testament to the fact that we don't really have the star-studded lineup. With the ball that other teams have and, and you're right think players like who've, their South African bowling attack they, they've got you know raw raw pace and and bounce and height and Josh Hazelwood's been the reliable player for us for the last year or so and he was almost unplayable in various series but you're right I think teams are you know starting to be a bit more um relaxed and and circumspect about playing him and then, Certainly with Cummins and Stark, you, you sense they don't quite have the potency that other bowlers have. Um and yeah, with Zampa out, and really it was it was one wicket apiece for all the bowlers, which is, is fine, but we don't really have that that real power bowl that we can turn to and be our impact player.
1: Is there potentially an argument? I know. Well, I know Pearson was making it a while ago, and I think someone, I think it might have been Mark war throughout the week was calling for Cummins potentially to be dropped. I think he said um, Cam Green to be brought in um, instead. Um, but obviously, Nathan Ellis is the other one there who, who looked quite impressive in the match he played over in Optus Stadium. Uh, well, Pearson, I'll, I'll, I'll go to you. I think I know what you're going to say. But um, is that something we could maybe foreseeably do?
3: Well, I accept this is controversial, but I think Ellis would be your best bowler if he played. I th- yeah. I, I mean, obviously, Hazelwood is very good. Yes, he is he still ranked? Well, number one, I'm not sure, but he's, he's up there if he isn't number one. The thing with Ellis is I think his areas of expertise in terms of phases are unique in that Australian setup. You need a death bowler because you can't just bang every ball in on a length from Hazelwood and hope that he doesn't concede runs at the death and ellis is arguably the leading death bowler in domestic cricket in the world at the moment so yes ellis should play cam green no because you do need four overs from this bowler and i don't necessarily trust cam green to offer that i also think green at eight is just a waste of his batting ability you really don't need a number eight that's there for his batting more than his bowling so yes i would go ellis yes i would drop cummins but in all honesty there's not really a great deal of change you need to make that's the only change i can really see that's valuable obviously i'd like to see finch dropped for green but in the same way buffuma won't be dropped you can't drop your captain 80 of the way through a group stage so i'd be surprised if that were made i'd be surprised if the cummins change were made as well but if if it were possible and if they weren't as stubborn as they are the Australian selectors I would be inclined to pick Ellis as that death bowler to bat eight all
1: right well the other team um, in that match was obviously Sri Lanka um, who had a good win over Ireland um, in the first match of the the Super 12 thanks to uh, another 50 from Mendes Um, but Navad well it's fallen apart a little Um, in the last two matches you'd probably have to say, um, in particular in the field, with what I'd have to say was the single worst performance I've ever seen um, in that match against New Zealand. It was almost so bad that you had to think it was perhaps deliberate. But uh, we, won't, we won't get into that. But their fielding coach definitely uh, needs to be, uh, yeah, sent home. I'd say. But uh, as as well as that, you know, what's um what's happened to Sri Lanka here?
2: Yeah, I think it's just. Uh... Yeah, just really the basics falling apart. I mean, fielding, batting. I think the bowling generally was okay, but it sort of fell apart uh, in that Australian match. I think that was more down to the batting, though, by stoiness. Um, But really, yeah, I'm dropping those simple catches. And we did that against the UAE. We did that against Ireland as well. Um, although in the Ireland game, obviously, there wasn't much of an impact. Same with the UAE game. Um, but, you know. You should be taking catches. They weren't any, they weren't difficult catches. They weren't diving or anything. Very simple catches, pretty much straight to them that you would expect any professional cricket side to catch. But for some reason, um, you yeah, know, we didn't. I think there is an argument to be made about the dew. I know, I think that probably was the reason why Foley dropped his catch. I mean, think he just slipped out because um, the ball was just wet. But, you know, you can, you can always make these excuses and ultimately it is up to, you know, the field is to adapt and, you know, make that change and, and you know, make the catches. So really, um, yeah, all that's a very minor thing, but I am placing the blame in the players. I think it was just a lack of, just at times, we just tend to lose focus. And I think, um yeah, you can really see that with the batting, especially. I think fielding is one thing. You know, it is, it is you know, as much as, you know, we're viewing it on screen and it looks easy, it is quite somewhat difficult. But batting, I think, is one thing where we've sort of lost a bit of focus and, we just played, you know, terrible shots at times. There's just you look at it and you're like, well, why did why did we choose to do that? I know again, this is also batting is also quite a hard task, but it's it's just, it just makes me question why we took those decisions to to you know do those kind of shots when there are much more sensible and much safer ways of getting the runs that we need to put on the board. Um, with the Australia game, I thought we put enough, but ultimately, you know, the bowling was a bit undone by the likes of Stonis and what, the what happened game, to? Hasaranga as well. Um, yeah, I'll so go- I think, I believe this was at Perth, if I'm, my memory is yeah, correct. Yeah. I think I was, I came into this tournament not thinking we'd get that far. I admit, I thought we'd been all the group stage matches. That didn't happen. But um, no, I did think because of that extra bounce that we we have in Australia, that, um, you know, I've mentioned this on the podcast as well, that <laughs> our um, our spinners uh, would struggle. And yeah, Pierce is mentioned in the chat. But no, that is true. And Hasaranga has developed a new, um, bowling delivery and we've also talked about this um on length in, in you know outside of a podcast um but because it's not one of his stock standard deliveries um it <laughs> okay the chat is distracting is there anything <laughs> <close> <laughs> just described it he's got a name
1: for it the pie which i <laughs> think is quite quite apt um, yeah. because it was but dispatched quite a lot
2: yeah that's the thing so i think if he just hasn't mastered it 100 percent and it's fair enough he doesn't he doesn't ever use this it's only something he's developed for australia so um it, it it's not a good leader i much prefer his stock standard you know the googly that he usually uses or the normal leg spinner that he does but um i think it's a it was an adaptation i yeah, okay okay uh, the chat is you know i can't stand this Stop the chat i don't know how to close the chat that's the thing anyway yeah um, for all the listeners the Masaranga a, a <laughs> lot here um, and yeah I'll defend him I, I think he, he's tried to do something novel that's tried to adapt to the condition in Australia and I commend him for that but it just hasn't worked and ultimately in a in a pitch like Perth where it's quite a bouncy pitch um, it just did not suit him at all so um, yeah ultimately I think that was just it just lack of focus and lack of getting the basics right if I have to summarise um to his efforts this world type like,
1: yeah, it's fair enough. Hatsuranga, none for 53 off, off three overs there in Perth. so it was, he did struggle a bit. Um, yeah, I, I think you are right, though. He, he just seemed to not know what to do on the super bouncy pitch. He was trying lots of different stuff. Um, just quickly on, on that New Zealand game, because that um, was quite interesting uh, as well, because you had them three for 15, and then I think about three for 25 at the end of the power play with... Fictioner and Rajitha um, looking really good early on. But then um, you sort of went back into your shell a little bit. Bowlers like um, Chamika, Karina Ratna, and Kamara and then your spinners sort of bowled pretty defensively. Um, I know that the commentary was speaking about that. A lot of slower balls. Um, and they were quite critical. But I, I sort of thought it was potentially a little bit harsh because, I mean... Dhanjaya De Silva isn't going to be someone who gets you out with a huge, huge turner that bowls someone or something. So I think, and sort of the same with Karuna Ratner, I think, you know, I I think some of it is that, um, as you've said many times, this is your fourth, probably fourth choice bowling attack here. So you're limited to to what you can do. Um, Would you say that that was almost the case in that match, uh, especially allowing Glenn Phillips to score a century and get them to a pretty good score even after that good start
2: I think yeah and again I think we, we did drop him when he was in early double digits which yes, sort of that, contributed yeah. as well but um no, I think the slower ball tactic was was the right call I think it was quite on that pitching quite hard in, in the mm-hmm. city ground to hit those slower balls So I think that was the right way to go the issue is yeah we're we're bowling enough our fourth line uh sorry, I think Casper and Rajat, wasn't even in Australia a week ago, and then because we've had these this many injuries, he's had to fly down from Sri Lanka. There are a few more players now on standby. Um, that uh, I think one of them is uh, Papirana. who's he played in the IPL. He's a slinger, sling bowler like Malinga. Again, not he's not I wouldn't put him in our first choice, but he's you know he just lacks that control and the skill that we get from someone like Chimera and Madushanka, which I thought you know if they worked it would have really liked these pitches, like in Perth and at the Sydney Cricket Ground. So. Um, yeah, you know, you look, you can blame, you know, it's always our fourth choice bowling attack, but I just thought, again, it's just the basics that we got wrong. I think mean, the bowlers bowled recently well at that start, as you said. Um, I think you said, like, no uh, boundaries for in the New Australia game, at least, in the power play, and, you know, that's yeah. fantastic, but we just let it slip, and so uh, keeping that focus and maintaining, um, I guess, yeah, maintaining the basics is what really let us down. We just didn't do that.
1: Yeah, well, another team that's been a little bit sloppy at times um, is England, who um, got past Afghanistan, not that convincingly uh, in the first match, although it was a win. Um, And then against Ireland, uh, well, yeah, it definitely did not go to plan Um, in that match with a little bit of help from the wind, Ireland winning by, uh, from the rain, sorry, Ireland winning by five runs. Um, but Pearson, you probably allowed a few more runs than you should have. Uh, Ireland scoring 157, uh, and then with the bat, no one really got going at all With some, uh, in the face of some good bowling by Josh Little and uh, Mark Adair, some great swing bowling. Uh, what went wrong in that match?
3: Well, un- unlike Navod's endless defensive Sri Lanka, I will admit England have just been poor all tournament. I think it's fair enough to deride them a little. I don't think the batsmen have turned up. I think you look at the players that were expected to score a bulk of runs. I mean, the particular names would be Hales and Milan have come in and not done anything. Milan's striking at less than a run runner ball. I think Hales might be as well. Butler's not really fired. To be honest, no one really is fired in that England top seven. Moeen is the only real informed bat by the looks of things, and hopefully someone like a Livingston will join him, but that's yet to be confirmed. I do think what we're seeing is something that the old England ODI team struggled with is we don't bat well on wickets where run scoring doesn't come easily. If you want to be able to beat England, produce a pitch where pass scores 120, 130. We played South Africa last night on that wicket that they just beat India on. They beat us a lot more comfortably than they, than they beat India. I think a lot of it is adaptability. I look at a lot of the players in this England side, and it is, yes, they're very effective. Yes, the stats are excellent. They also only have a couple shots. A lot of them just have the slog and a ramp, which isn't always ideal. Bowling, I'll use the Navod excuse on bowling. Our entire first-choice bowling attack is out injured with pace bowlers archers not there nor is topley they are two big losses i do think we could have bowled better our fielding's been good all tournament i think the main criticism is going to be the batting though i think the Ireland game maybe we could have conceded a few less but afghanistan i thought in the field and with the ball we were excellent so i'm willing to let us get away with the bowling and fielding side of things batting has been consistently underwhelming no one's fired everyone's been a bit slow so if England are to turn this around it's going to have to come through the batting not through the bowling in my view
1: yeah well and Mark Wood I thought has looked looked very good um he's almost been
3: the find of
1: of the tournament I wasn't expecting him to be so dominant in in the T20 format um but so so I mean I think um it was Glenn Maxwell who made the point that it is a a little perhaps where i being a bit harsh um, too early to judge both Australia and England because I mean, they have only had two matches. Uh, that big England Australia match um, that would have happened on Friday if it didn't get washed out that would have been the real match where we saw where both teams are at. Um, but do you still think that they're a chance um, to, well, do you think they'll get through and then in the semi
3: finals? You know, I I still think Australia and England have as good a chance as anyone of actually winning the tournament. They're teams that actually win finals in a way the two sides topping their respective groups, New Zealand and South Africa, aren't. So, yes, I'm certainly not ruling them out. I do think New Zealand are very safely through to the semis. So one of Australia or England will miss out. I mean, logic would suggest it will probably be Australia because of the net run rate issue. However a good New Zealand performance against England completely reverses that. My gut feeling is England will get knocked out, but if England get through to the semi, so I think they have a very good chance of winning the tournament with momentum on their side. I think it's it's been a weird World Cup. The top sides or the sides you expect to do well just haven't performed. Australia and England are probably the two best examples of that. But as you say, it's been two games of actual cricket or two and a half in Australia's case. It may just be too early to judge. Australia just got a bit luckier in that their loss was to the top side in the group instead of the <laughs> associate nation of the group.
1: Yeah, that's true. Ethan, um, that England-New Zealand match is going to be very interesting. Um, New Zealand obviously looking very impressive with some great bowling from Bolt and. Saudi and Santner actually being the spinner of the tournament. I wasn't expecting that so far. Um, And then obviously with the back, Glenn Phillips firing and um, Conway before that. Um, Who who are you predicting in that game? And do you agree with Pearson that they are still a threat to England?
0: Yeah, 100% England are always a threat. Cannot write them off, I think. Historically, over the last few years in all white ball formats, they've been one of the dominant teams. I think New Zealand have really outplayed them, themselves and outplayed our expectations of them this tournament. was pretty much a perfect game against Australia. A couple of cracks against uh, the Kiwis, but I mean against the Sri Lanka, but they, they did come through with a quite convincing performance in the end. I, I think I'll agree with Pearson and say I've got New Zealand probably to win tomorrow, but you, you never know really. Um, but I think it's on on form. You've got a Kiwi side playing pretty well and a, an English side which are struggling a bit. Um, even with that rain-affected game, you, you saw pe- people like Milan were were really struggling for, for form and an, any sort of consistency. So it'll be interesting to see how we go, but certainly England have got to win that one to keep, keep themselves alive in this tournament. So I'd, I'd hope they bring their A game.
1: Yeah, it would definitely be interesting to see. Uh, before we move on from that island match, I did have to... Just um, make note of Ireland's performance um, with the bat first. Um, at one stage, you had both Mark Wood and um, and Ben Stokes bowling with uh, a very leg side field uh, and bowling right on right on the body basically. Um, and at that stage, you would think, oh, you know, Ireland won't have a chance here. But then Balbirnie and um, and Lawson Tucker they pulled, I think, in successive deliveries uh, um, for for boundaries, even with that short tactic. So I, I thought it was pretty impressive. Now, Burnie in particular, 62 of 47, they really took on the short ball and it uh, worked out um, pretty well for them in, ma- in that match. And well, we'll see how they go tonight uh, against Australia um, when they bat. Um, okay, well, moving on quickly to uh, the final two big stories. Um, we go from uh, a team that's faltering in England, um, to one that's uh, practically knocked out um, in Pakistan. We obviously had that uh, dramatic finish um, to the India-Pakistan game, and then we had yet another dramatic finish, um, but this time against Zimbabwe. Um, Zimbabwe only scored 130, uh, thanks to Mohamed Wasim taking uh, forfair, um and, uh, Harris Ralph, one for 12 or four overs, was very impressive with the ball there. Uh, but sort of as we spoke spoke about earlier, Pakistan were another team that just weren't really able to um, figure out how to score um, on that Optus Stadium pitch over in Perth. Sham Masood, the only one to do anything with 44 of 38. Um, and uh, Richard Ngarava and Blessing Muzarabani early on using that bouncy pitch uh, made it very difficult for the Pakistanis. It still went down to the final over, uh, but then it was Brad Evans, the hero for them. Um, and uh, I think it was um, Shahina Afridi who couldn't get it away. I think they needed two off the last ball. They got a one. Um, the keeper for Zimbabwe, he, he almost messed it up, but um, he got the rain out in the end and historic victory for Zimbabwe. Um, but just a, a continuation of a very poor campaign uh, for Pakistan, Novot.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think their their bowling has been quite good. Harris Ralph, as uh, you name, has been really exceptional. I, thought, I think he's the star bowler uh, in that lineup. Shaheen Shafridi, I think it's a, sort of a, a Ben Stokes, Ashes 2021 20 and 2022. He's sort of, he's back, but he's not really back. You know, he's, <laughs> I think he made a statement where he, he was still still somewhat recovering from his injuries that uh sort of um he had before the world cup so i i feel kind of bad i think he is but he is probably their best bowler behind uh now ralph uh, in this tournament but um yeah he's just been a little bit poor in this world cup otherwise i think the bowling's been pretty spot on um there's haven't been really any complaints apart from you know bowling your leg spinner and the last over um you know when your finest kind of <laughs> runs, yeah. yeah. That that's that was just captain's mistake. I think that's yeah. Anyway, moving on from that, I think the batting is yeah, as you said, it has been quite poor. Um, Sean Massoud actually, you know, we came in having a bit of doubts over him and his form, but he's actually been playing all right. Um, uh, but Rizwan and Babar Azam, in particular, Babar Azam has hasn't really um done anything this World Cup. They've they've had a quite a they've quite struggled a lot. and um, you know, really. Being able to bat on these bouncier pitches, and I think it's it's sort of, and I'm going to sort of, you know, justify Sri Lanka's struggles here a little bit. But it's it's sort of similar, right? They're used to playing on these speedier, and you know, sort of more flat pitches where it's much easier to bat on. But um, you know, in Australia, you get these pitches where the conditions, you know, vary so much. In Perth, you've got pitches that where the ball just zings off the pitch, and then you've got other pitches where um, there's a lot of bounce, and it, it's just so varied. So I think. Um, I think adapting to the conditions, just like Sri Lanka, is something that Pakistan have definitely struggled with and just other teams um, have, have done well with. I think Zimbabwe in that game performed really exceptionally. I think they, they deserved to get that win. It was really a fantastic showing, um, especially with the ball mainly. Um, but um, yeah, look, for Pakistan, I think it's just ultimately it's about their batting. We had concerns about actually their middle-order batting, yeah. but it turns out it's, it's been the opposite. It's actually their top order, the stars of their team really struggling and the, the middle order sort of picking up the scraps a little bit. So overall, yeah, quite disappointing uh, batting from Pakistan. And just the inability to adapt is what's really pulling them down.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's almost like the, the reverse of what we thought their problems uh, would be coming into this World Cup. Um, and I'll just note that they I saw a stat that they, they haven't actually won a T20 international in Australia in any bilateral or World Cup format. Um, at all in their history. So um
3: yeah they definitely have some well, problems. I mean th- that was true. They did just win their last game oh, yesterday. Yeah. But yeah that what that was the stat twenty like thirty six hours ago that was yeah. the stat. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a weird one though.
1: Yeah. Um Ethan, uh oh I i did I did have uh a question here. I oh, don't no, sorry Pearson uh you oh, all right yeah you're, <laughs> you're you're impressed by their uh their bowling uh, attack nonetheless
3: yeah i i think pakistan have the best pace attack in the competition i think they're not all on perfect form but i think when they are they have a significantly higher ceiling than any other attack i think what you might call it as a frontline too i don't think many countries can challenge ralph and shaheen I think as a backup option, there's obviously very solid form from Nazim Shah. And I think Mohamed Wazim has recently burst onto the stage. I must admit, I didn't really know him until that never-ending series against England a month or two ago, in which from memory, he did perform quite well. So that's definitely impressed me. I think they're the only side that have four top quality bowlers. I'd say others... Well, arguably, Australia do, and they just choose not to play the fourth. But as pace bowlers go, I don't think there's another side that could get 16 overs of pace out with that much quality in the World Cup.
1: Yeah, I think I'd I'd probably have to agree with that. Uh, Ethan, uh, apart from the obvious, what's going wrong for uh, Pakistan? And Well, you can respond to Pearson as well for that claim. Yeah, I'm
0: trying to just... Roll through the the pace attack. Certainly, this World Cup, New Zealand and South Africa have been the the standouts in terms of results. I think many teams have managed over 130 against their bowling performances. Um, but you're right, Pakistan have got that four four bowler pace attack, which is certainly quite formidable. Um, but really, it's it's their their batting, which we highlighted, that was faulty before the tournament. We we said it was over reliant on um the openers and unlike last world cup where they had a couple of middle order bats um, in form i think they had the experience of Hafiz and Shaw Malik and and now they sort of are getting a little bit of mediocrity from from the middle order and it's not quite compensating from what they're lacking at the top but certainly a, a disappointing world cup for them to start with and to to be fair they they haven't really been too far off the ball. I mean, it was it was a last over performance against India. It was one run against Zimbabwe. So sometimes it's a, a very very fine line that we're sort of, you know, we've we've said India have done all right and Pakistan have been woeful. But in in reality, it's you know it's only 10, 10 runs or so in those three games. Um, but yeah, I think they've just had a had a miss with their batting. I think it's it's downgraded and they're they're suffering from a, a lack of form. Um like other sides, and they just haven't had that ability to close out games, even when things aren't going well for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And I I do, I do wonder if, uh, you know, perhaps they just weren't fated to win that game uh, against Zimbabwe, Um, you know, it was almost sort of a response to uh, the, the the pack bean saga um, that it's been known as now. Um, I discussed this with Elliot a little bit, but I'd like to get your views on it because it was an incredible, incredible story. Uh, a few years ago, from, from what I know, um, a Mr. Bean impersonator from Pakistan toured Zimbabwe um, and um caused well riots in the streets um when they uh when the the crowds realized that uh it wasn't actually Rowan Atkinson and that it was just an, an impersonator um and uh, then the before the match um the sort of a, a movement in Zimbabwe um said that this match was the opportunity to to get back um for for that indignity they suffered and well uh, they did it but uh, Navod, have you ever heard anything more bizarre than this uh, this story? Uh,
2: I guess the the cold sandwiches one. Kind of yeah, this one. True. I was <laughs> going to say it's another ridiculous sort of hilarious story that's come out of the World Cup. I honestly hadn't heard of it until um, you know the the game against uh, Zimbabwe in Pakistan. So um, <laughs> it's just really funny, isn't it? He uh, does have a. I think uh, Elliot mentioned this on the video on our Instagram uh, shout out to that. page, uh, you should all go follow. Um, but no, he, he does actually have a striking resemblance to uh, the actual Rowan Atkinson, uh, who's a great uh, actor, I must say, a uh, favorite of mine, but yeah, it's uh, it's just a ridiculous story, yeah, it's just hilarious, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's right, and um, but in the end, even Zimbabwe's president, uh, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, tweeted about it as well, so it um, yeah, very, very bizarre. Anyway, um, I think that brings us to the end of the, the coverage of of all the teams uh, i guess the the final question is um just setting in stone well not setting in stone the opposite to setting in stone um how are we changing our, our predictions that we made at the start of the tournament now for um uh, going going forwards I, I put this to the um on the instagram page um in a poll and um well we had 60 percent of people saying that from group one New Zealand and England would get through. Um, 40% say New Zealand and Australia. Uh, and then for Group B, well, I don't think there's too much controversy about that, that South Africa and India will go through. 90% of people have been have been following following the cricket, I think, and have said said that right. Um, 10% of you well need to learn a bit more about cricket. Um anyway. <laughs> um, how, are we, how are we changing our predictions? I've said that. South Africa um for the win I'll have to think about how the rest <laughs> works out but um Ethan what what are you going now
0: I think I'll go to the 40 percent and, and say New Zealand and Australia might get through from group A as you mentioned South Africa and India look strong in group B but I think the exciting thing is the two teams that looked dom- on dominant in New Zealand and South Africa will hopefully top their groups and my, my hope is that they play each other in the in the final and one of the World Cup losers, so to speak, will will manage a success.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a,
3: a very good point. Uh, Pearson? I think, and this is maybe not the same line others are taking, I think whoever gets through of England or Australia will win the World Cup. I don't know which one that will be, but I think they'll peak at the right time of the tournament and they'll steamroll the semis and final whether that's against New Zealand, India or South Africa, we'll have to wait and see. But I think it will be one of those two sides that win. Uh, I'm not willing to pick who goes through in second of group one. I really don't know. I would like to have an opinion, but I've thought about it the whole way through this podcast. I still have no idea. But whichever one it is, they'll win. So that's my prediction.
1: Mm, well, that that is isn't an, an interesting prediction. I'll just say for our for our viewers um or or listeners rather so it, in that new zealand england game if all other results go as planned um if if new zealand win well then england will be be knocked out is that right pearson basically uh, so yeah so
3: if wait it's, it's, so well australia have basically whoever yeah. outperform if Australia get more points than England, yeah, three. but we've got One would imagine Australia will win the remaining two, but England yeah. lost to Ireland, so it's not inconceivable that mm. you lose to a weaker side. My suspicion is, yes, it will come down to whoever wins England, New Zealand. It will also yeah. come down to games like the one ongoing as we record this, of how close Ireland get. Australia overtake England on net run rate, I think. If Ireland are dismissed by less than a hundred for less than a hundred. So that type of thing will also prove important. Mm -hmm. I certainly wouldn't consider it inconceivable that both sides win all their remaining games. If that is to happen, then it will come down to just the margins at which they do win. But yes, you'd imagine, at least in my view, I think the outcome of the group will be almost fully decided at. This time tomorrow night, when England and New Zealand have finished playing, yeah,
1: makes that an absolutely massive match. I'm going to go for the semi-finals. The opposite to what you said, Pearson. I think South Africa and India will both win and go through to the final. Uh, Navod, what are you saying?
2: Yeah, I think South Africa, India, definitely are the favourites to win that group, um, and I'm really hoping for a South Africa final win. You know, win that first World Cup after you know failing so many I've probably just been them then but um I don't have (laughs) I don't have the commentators curse but I'm not a commentator so um yeah I I really hope they they get through and they they eventually win but in terms of um group one I think it'll be New Zealand and I I think I said in the poll England maybe not maybe Australia I can't remember what I actually voted for but um I think yeah I think New Zealand and uh England will probably get through and I, yeah, out of those two things, I think I do rate New Zealand over um, over England. So yeah, I think an, a New Zealand-South Africa final will be what it's at. And I hope South Africa win, but we'll, we'll see, finally tells. us. Uh, yeah, we'll find out.
1: All right. Well, on that note, thank you, in the VOD Ethan and Pearson. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week, um, if not earlier. Um, and goodbye.